This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. I'm Jeff Klein, Executive Director of the Wharton Leadership Program. This is Knowledge at Wharton. I'm joined today by Stuart Friedman, author, professor, and an influential expert on leading from the point of view of the whole person. Stu's new book, Leading the Life You Want, Skills for Integrating Work and Life, has just been released by the Harvard Business Press. Stu, thanks so much for being here. It's great to be here, Jeff. Thank you for joining me in this conversation. Of course. Uh, So let's just start. I mean, Leading the Life You Want, it builds on decades of your research, right, both in leadership development as well as work-life integration. What led to this book for you? Well, I published Total Leadership, which is kind of the predecessor book, in in 2008, which is the story of my course, which I've been teaching here at Wharton since 2001, since creating it when I was on leave from Wharton uh, as head of leadership development for Ford Motor Company. And in Total Leadership, what I've done is to basically tell the story of that course, which generally takes about four months to go through, and Mm -hmm. it's a step-by-step series of activities that uh, I ask students and clients uh, and readers around the world now in a, in a MOOC that I teach, a massive open online course on Coursera, to go through each of these different steps in, uh, in a progression. In uh, so it's very kind of systematic and, you know, one step builds on the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's worked really well. But well, it's been what, immensely popular here. What was missing, though, from uh, the Total Leadership book uh, and what drove me to write Leading the Life You Want were two things. First... Um, I get a lot of pushback from people who were saying to me, well, Stu, all this you know, work and life stuff is, sounds great, but to be truly successful in the mm-hmm. professional world or in the public world, I mean, come on, you've got to sacrifice everything in your life, right? And what I knew from my own experience, but also as a consultant, as a coach, as, a, as an educator, and as a researcher, was that that's actually not true, even though that is the common wisdom. And certainly, I'm not saying here that you know you can you can have everything all the time, and that right. uh, uh, you know you you can have success without without sacrifice, without effort, without you know discipline and mm-hmm. persistence in the face of in the face of disappointment. But what I am saying is that not only is it possible to create a greater sense of harmony among the different parts of your life while achieving greatness. It's actually necessary that the people who are most successful, even by you know external markers of mm-hmm. fame and wealth, uh, and you know power, uh, those are the folks who are able to figure out in their own way how to bring together the different parts of their lives over the course of their lives, and indeed it's their commitments to family, to community, and to their private selves, their minds, bodies, spirits. That's what gives them the strength, the resources, uh, the support that they need to be successful in the professional world. So, so reason one was to address yeah. this issue of, you know, uh, you have to sacrifice everything. Right. Not true. And you're saying it's, it's a false choice, basically. It's a false choice that it holds us back from the kinds of success, the kinds of happiness that you're talking about. 
Indeed, uh, that to think in terms of you know the binary work-life balance, right. which is a, a term that I have been railing against for decades, yeah. and, I, and I think I think we're making some progress there because more people are talking instead about work and life integration or harmony mm -hmm. uh, over the course of life, and that the balance concept just doesn't work because it forces you to think mm -hmm. in terms of trade-offs. Mm -hmm. uh, if your mindset is, what am I going to have, work or life? Uh, then you're always thinking in terms of what you have to give up. Yeah, there's and always loss. There's always some something to lose. And, of course, your employer sees that as well. If you're working for somebody and you say, I need some more balance, what she, your boss, is probably thinking is, okay, you're taking something from me, right. and, you know, I've already got nothing, so right. like, how's this going to work? Where, where does that go now? So, so we've really got to be uh, focusing the conversation on what I refer to as four-way wins. Mm -hmm. Things that you can do that are within your control that – enable you to create value in some way, some demonstrably uh, improved result, not just at work, mm -hmm. not just for yourself, not just for your community, not just for your family, but for all four. And what I've discovered in, in asking that question of students and clients around the world, like tens of thousands of them now, is that everybody can answer that question mm -hmm. with an affirmative response. Like, yeah, here's something I could try. Uh, and that's that's a that's a big part of what we're trying to get people to do with this with this model and with these examples. Okay. So th so the first reason I wrote this book was to show examples of wildly successful people who have shown that you can integrate the different parts of your life and be incredibly successful. In fact, you need to. Mm -hmm. And the other was to really drill into the skills that yep. they developed naturally. Uh, you know, m in most cases unwittingly, uh, to to really break down for the reader. Here are the skills that people use to, to enact this kind of life, to, to lead the lives that they want, and to illustrate those in the cases of these six people that I profile. And then in the second half of the book, to curate the best of you know, positive psychology, organizational psychology, the current research, uh, and, and, and convert it into exercises that people can do, anyone can do, right. to uh, practice these skills in any way they want, in any order they want. So, so this is different than the Total Leadership book in the sense that you can just pick and choose whatever you want to focus on. Mm -hmm. In fact, it starts, the book starts with a self-assessment, takes just a few minutes, mm -hmm. which you can also do for free online, that shows you all right, of these 18 skills that I've you know, described and illustrated, which ones do you want to focus on? Right. And then you choose which ones you want to develop by reading the cases about them mm -hmm. and or just going right to the exercises. If we can, let's talk a little bit about the stories, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's an engaging set of stories that you offer. I mean, we have Michelle Obama, Bruce Springsteen, Eric Greitens, Sheryl Sandberg, mm -hmm. Julie Foudy, Tom Tierney. Um, why and, and how did you decide to focus on, on these individuals? So how did I come up with, with these six? Well, for years now, I've been asking our MBA students who take my total leadership class right. to write a leader biography, to choose somebody who they want to focus on, who they want to just discover more about, and to look at their lives and, and their careers mm -hmm. through the lens of the three principles of total leadership. In what ways are these people being real? That's the right. first principle, acting with authenticity by knowing what's important to you, your values and your vision, being whole, respecting the whole person, mm -hmm. knowing that there are these different parts of your life and that they do affect each other, your work, your home, your community, your private self, and then to be innovative, the third principle, mm -hmm. constantly learning and experimenting with new ways of getting things done. 
Those are the three principles. So go out, dear student, and find somebody who you want to learn more about and write up how they've done this. So I've read hundreds of those biographies, which is part of what you know persuaded me that, yeah, it's, it's out there and this is a, a way to approach you know, what it means to lead the life you want. So that was one source. Another was just people I admire. Um, and wanted to learn more about myself. And the other you know, clients or people that I knew about, and you know, I was just asking around, who do you know, who do you know? And then ultimately I wanted uh, to, to try to uh, create a representative sample. So there's three men and three women. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's two each from the business sector, from sports and entertainment, as well as from the private, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, the public sector. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you know, the purpose there is to illustrate that uh, you know, people leading the lives they want are everywhere. Right. And, and you may not identify with Michelle Obama or Bruce Springsteen or Sheryl Sandberg, but you can learn from them. Yeah. So it's not like you have to like, model your life after them. Mm-hmm. But let's look at what they've done and the skills that they have you know, really mm-hmm. mastered uh, that's enabled them to lead the lives that they truly want that you can learn from and use yourself. And I certainly appreciate um, the strong message that comes from the selection of these six subjects, mm-hmm. which is, you know, leadership, work-life integration, right? The work and life mm-hmm. um, and community and self. It, it's a universal It's a universal question. It's a universal challenge, perhaps. It's a universal opportunity um, that's not just in the realm of business, right? Or just in the realm of uh, a certain kind of person. And I, I think these stories really bring that to life. That was definitely part of my intention was to, to demonstrate that these issues are not just uh, in the business world, but mm-hmm. that really anyone who's got a sense of uh, ambition, really, and, and need to learn about, you know, how do I bring the different parts of my life together in a way that works? Because, you know, so many people that, that I run into every single day are feeling this sense of being overwhelmed and right. things are out of control. And, and so, uh, you know, this, this approach is helpful mm-hmm. in giving people, a, you know, a model for what they can do and how to do it to gain a greater sense of control. And, of course, the great paradox and the reason I chose this title ultimately is that uh, leading the life you want happens when you discover what is uniquely you, your, your passions, your, your interests, uh, and your skills, and converting that into value for other people. This, so that you know, the idea is, and this really only came into very, very sharp focus for me when I was reflecting on the book after it was done, like, what have I learned from mm-hmm. this? And that was the big insight that leading the life you want happens when you take what is you know, most core to you and make it of use to others. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, it reminds me of the, the, the old saying, I don't even know where it comes from, but it's just the simple statement, wherever you go, there you are. Right? And wherever we find ourselves, who we are at, at a core level, at an mm-hmm. authentic level, um, is so essential to uh, to being of service to others and ultimately being of service to yourself. But you have to know what other people around you are interested yeah. in, right? So it starts with understanding what matters most to you, but right. then you've got to take that outside in view. Like, who are the important people in my life mm-hmm. and in my world? And what do they really need from me? And so there's, you know, some of the exercises are just about that issue of right. identifying the critical people uh, and talking to them to clarify what they ex- expect, what they need from you when they look at you. Uh, and they look up to you or, like, right. you know, at you, uh, they, you know, what is it that they see? 
and using that knowledge that comes from these exercises, which really raise your awareness, your consciousness of who you are, who the people around you are, what they need, and then on the basis of that kind of diagnostic work mm -hmm. to discover new ways of creating value for them and for you. And that's what makes uh, this about leadership and about sustainable change because it all leads to taking action that's going to make things better for you and for them. So if we can, let's focus on some of the stories that bring the total leadership principles of be real, be whole, be innovative to life. Um, now I'm a Bruce Springsteen fan, I should say that, but and the story you tell is riveting. It's a, it's a riveting account of mm -hmm. Springsteen for someone who considers himself a, a, a giant fan. Now, he makes a comment um, within you know, within this profile, that two of the best days of his life were the day he picked up the guitar and the day that he learned how to put it down. Mm -hmm. how, does, how does that illustrate the principles that, that we're discussing here today? Yeah, Bruce's story is, is really quite amazing. It was so much fun to write. Um, and I think what that particular quote represents is uh, an, a, another really important theme of the book that I saw in all these different stories, and that is this idea of evolution you know, and conscious learning uh, by attending on a persistent basis to the question of who am I, what matters to me, who matters to me, and how can I best you know, live as, as they need me to live as, as well as how I need to live. Um, you know, finding his voice and his identity uh, mm -hmm. in getting that guitar. Right. Uh, and he was very, very fortunate, uh, you know, to have that. And, you know, most people don't have that, you know, moment of, when they're 12 years old yeah. uh, to discover, oh, this, this is now who I am and this is who I was meant to be. But, you know, people can discover that through continual exploration. Mm -hmm. uh, and then ultimately, much later in his life, as all the six people in this book you know, demonstrate, they changed yeah. a lot from you know, where they started. Uh, so another one of the kind of myths that I'm trying to bust with these stories is that you're born with you know, this capacity to be great. Not true. Uh, mm -hmm. it, you know, it's, it's a matter of, yes, skill, there's a lot of luck. But there's also, um, uh, you know, persistence, yeah. discipline, you know, passion and courage to pursue that which is most important to you and to the people around you. So, you know, much later in life, uh, as other aspects of his life became even more important, uh, like when he became a father, he realized, uh, I got to make room for other aspects of my life now. And so the conscious, deliberate choice to change again uh, and to rest and to make room for other people, like the people he was you know, yeah. creating with Patty, uh, you know, that, that represented yet another stage in his development. Yeah. I mean, we aren't static as people. And you know, the guitar, uh, I really like the way you put it, because the guitar is not, the guitar says to him, this is who I was meant to be, but it's not all he was meant to be. Right? He was meant to be so much more, and, and he creates that space. I, um, yeah, such a compelling, a compelling right before bed story. I woke up energized the next morning. I'm so, so glad to hear that, Jeff. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Bruce's story is especially uh, valuable in, in teaching the skill of creating mm -hmm. cultures of innovation, which mm -hmm. basically means he's somebody who is learning all the time and he's just pushing everybody around him to you know, discover new capacities, new ways of, of living, of, of expressing their talents. And that's why he's such an inspirational leader of his band, of his fan base, of yeah. you know, so many people in the world. Yeah. So Michelle Obama, 
our yes. first lady. Yes. Um, an, another really compelling story. And somewhat controversial. I'm sure there are people watching who are thinking, what? Michelle Obama, leader? I don't get it. it well, uh, I was convinced. I'll tell you that much. Good, I'm From glad. the read, I was convinced. Now, she makes— But did you come in skeptical? Um, I came in— Probably not knowing enough, okay. right? Knowing that there was a very public role that she plays, mm-hmm. um, but not knowing to the ex- the extent to which she was involved in organizations earlier in her career, mm-hmm. and then the extent to which she was championing causes throughout her time, you know, as as the first lady. So, so it was very instructive to mm-hmm. me. Um, Good. There's a quote from her at one point. Uh, I think when she's a university administrator, mm-hmm. right? It's a wonderful profession, by the way. Um, if what you're doing doesn't bring you joy every single day, what's the point, mm-hmm. right? And and that's the question she's asking herself, I think, both about her professional career, but also the ways in which she's engaging with her children and with her community, which mm-hmm. is incredibly strong. Mm-hmm. Um, so what lessons does Michelle Obama, well, uh, what, what lessons does she present? Yeah, so the three skills that I hone in on in terms of uh, you know analyzing her story are uh, her capacity to align her actions with her values, yeah. to, to really do the hard work of figuring out all right, you know, what matters most to me, what do I need to be doing? And the quote that you chose is, is, you know, is emblematic of that. She's mm-hmm. asking the question on a regular basis um, and, and then taking action. Uh, the, the second one is um, managing boundaries intelligently and her story about, you know, how she arrived at the White House and, mm-hmm. the, and you know, how she really thought through and negotiated you know, what it was going to be like for her and her daughters mm-hmm. uh, is, is just a wonderful example of what's possible, even under the most, you know, white-hot scrutiny of the entire world, to right. figure out, all right, how am I going to bring the different parts of my life together in a way that works for, not just for me but for my children? Right. Um, and, and, and the third piece is— well, And before you—will yeah. you say a little bit more about, about boundaries? Like, how, how, should, yeah. how should we think about boundaries? Well, uh, boundaries, by that I mean, you know, the, the spaces between the different parts of our lives. And there's, there's two ways to think about boundaries. One is to create firm boundaries that are impenetrable, that allow you to focus on, you know, one person or one group or one right. project at a time. Now I'm dad. Now I'm work and, Jeff. And I can't no. do anything else. And, and this is the only thing I'm going to do right now. I'm just going to focus just in on this one person or this one thing uh-huh. right now. So that's that's what we mean by creating a you know a, a boundary that is uh, firm, and you know as impenetrable as you can make it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there's another way of thinking about boundaries, and that is to make them permeable. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a strong view about which is better, because sometimes you need to have those firm impermeable boundaries. Um, and sometimes you need to make them more porous to allow different parts of your life to come together in ways that are mutually enriching. The key is what's working. Sure. What's working for you? What's working for the people around you? So I don't think there's one best way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best way is the way that works for right. you and for the people that matter to you. And that means continually checking in. Is mm-hmm. this working? Yeah, and being really conscious about them. It's right? all Which about. I think is, is what that skill offers. Exactly. Right. And then the third skill of Michelle's, uh, Michelle Obama's, is um, to be embracing change courageously. Mm-hmm. And this is a woman who has taken some yeah. really difficult uh, decisions to try new things that put her in a, in a zone that was anything but comfortable uh, in pursuit of her you know, core values and, and living them in a way that she learned from her father, which right. is another thing that I try to bring to life in the story. 
Absolutely. I'm going to switch gears a little bit here. Um, now, I, I know throughout your work with Total Leadership, you've created and you've led countless peer coaching groups, learning mm -hmm. communities. Um, right now at Wharton, we have hundreds of MBA students who are in a voluntary program that, that draws upon your work and, and other faculty members mm -hmm. to talk about passion and purpose and principles within their lives. You know, I, I look around, there's lean-in circles, there are true north groups, right? This conversation feels really relevant in today's world. And so given that, are, are these ex exercises, are they best experienced in a group? Um, mm -hmm. And what advice would you have for, for managers, um, for parents about, you know, maybe how these things, how the exercises that you describe can best be used? Well, you'll find that um, many of the exercises do explicitly, you know, they require in instruct okay. <laughs> you to work with other people. Sure. Uh, some of the things you can do on your own, uh, but then many uh, sort of you know, require you to engage other people in your learning and discovery. And there are two main reasons for that, that, you know, peer-to-peer -peer learning, mm -hmm. uh, in my view, is, is, is why it's so valuable and so powerful. One is that it builds in accountability. Uh, you make a public commitment, and by that I mean to another person, you know, mm -hmm. outside of yourself, that you're going to try something uh, and ask them to help you to, you know, stay Hold on it. Uh, and if, you know, if, if they've got a good reason to do that, well, that's going to put pressure on you, which is mm -hmm. a good thing that most people need. Uh, accountability pressure is one highly valued aspect of any kind of peer-to-peer -peer learning. But the other is um, support. Encouragement, you know, mm -hmm. reinforcement, uh, and 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 another perspective that helps you to see, especially when you're both doing the work of exploring, you know, what matters most, who matters most, what can I do to change to make things better all the way around. If you're doing that as well as I am, mm -hmm. I'm I'm learning a lot just by trying to help you and listen to your, you know, challenges and concerns in, in creating meaningful, sustainable change. So. So you get um, accountability pressure, you get support, and you get another perspective uh, that uh, that someone else can bring to you that you can't see. Uh, and 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 the bonus, of course, when you're helping other people to learn, you know what it means for them to lead the lives that they want, is that you develop new insights in trying to help them. Which Jeff is my kind of secret of <laughs> uh, the reason I write these books and sure. teach these courses and, you know, work with clients uh, in all kinds of different settings is because uh, these questions then are top of mind for me all the time because right. I'm trying to find solutions, even though I've been, you know, at this for, for decades. It's a, it's a lifelong quest. As we start to wrap up here, you make the argument that leading the life you want is about consciously compassionate action, right, about helping others. Mm -hmm. So. What advice do you have um, for our audience, for your readers, about how to find that kindness, um, you know, for others and especially for themselves? Well, that, uh, you know, that is, again, the kind of paradoxical um, idea behind the title that y you become more free to pursue the things that matter most to you when you take your resources, your assets, your skills, and, and try to apply them in the service of other people. Uh, and this is illustrated in virtually all six of these Absolutely. of these stories, uh, and it's it's such an important idea, it, and it's been around forever. I mean, most of the world's religions uh, preach this, mm -hmm. and, and the reason that they do is because it works, and it's something further that most people need to be reminded of, sure. because we are, you know, 
ultimately we're animals as well as uh, gods, right? And so we've got these competing tensions um, in terms of our motivations. Um, but anyone uh, can take small actions to do what they can to think about the needs of other people and you know, use your time and energy to try to serve them. Even in the most uh, constrained and even horrific circumstances, this is mm -hmm. possible. In fact, and the Greitens, the Eric Greitens story illustrates this particularly well, sure. um, it's, a, it's a means of survival that you know, the way people uh, get through uh, really trying circumstances, uh, like in Hell Week in, for Navy SEALs training, or mm -hmm. worse, in uh, concentration camps in World War II, which is where Viktor Frankl discovered mm -hmm. uh, you know, this idea that we need meaning in our lives, and meaning comes from creating value from other people for other people, and you can always find a way to do that. Stu, thanks so much for being here with us today, leading the life you want. Skills for Integrating Work and Life, just out from Harvard Business Review Press. Thank you, Jeff. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.